Hey, and welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we watch the movies you recommend, and I am your host, John. Over there is the other host, Jeff. That's me. And uh, this week, we've got a super special treat. Uh, Much like when we did the Chipmunk Adventure, uh, this was not exactly one that was on the list, but one that I absolutely wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, I I had not heard of this. I'm really excited that you brought it to my attention, Uh, so... I can't wait to get into it myself. Uh, I mean, granted, that's because we've dropped format and we already watched the damn thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean... Also, finding a preview for this would have been, what, impossible? Yes. I mean, yeah. there really wasn't much of a preview. Like, okay, we watched the Elf movie. Yeah, the Elf movie. And I know there's more than one Elf movie. We watched the one called the Elf movie. Yeah. All now, right? this that's... one was... Because there was another one that was done, like, six years after the show ended. Yeah, and it's just called, like, Project Elf or something. Yeah, Project Alfway, where he gets a bunch of clothes on and tries to be a model. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're thinking of Queer Elf for the straight guy. which I'm <laughs> Queer Elf for the gay elf. <laughs> which, which just implies that there's another elf, and he's also called Elf, and he's gay. <laughs> yeah, obviously. And there's zero difference, because I don't remember seeing all that much of a romantic interest in, in Elf's life outside of the cartoon. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the show was... Man, the show was something terrible. Did you watch Alf when I, it was on? I am sure I watched an episode or two. I mean, I was seven in the in the time period when this movie came out. Because this is, uh, to, to place the Alf movie, this came out between the first and second seasons of Alf. Yeah. Uh, so this came out in 1987. So, I, I, I mean, I must have watched it. I remember The Simpsons was on at that point. And I remember watching that with my parents. Like, every Thursday night, we'd get a Domino's pizza and we'd watch The Simpsons. Wow. Man, I did not watch any of The Simpsons when it was first on because it was that whole like we're not sure if The Simpsons is a like good for kids show. I mean, I understand that. I remember that weird backlash. That backlash used to happen against every cartoon or like Alf for example got it because they were like, "Oh, well, it's got a puppet on it. It's definitely a children's show." Oh, think of the children. It's oh like, yeah, children don't want to watch fucking Alf. He's boring as hell. No, that's the reason that it got anything though, is because kids are going to watch Alf because they're like, I don't realize that these jokes are non-jokes. Yeah, all I'm doing is watching a puppet. Yeah, that's true. But so, I remember The Simpsons got that huge backlash, but my parents did not care because they thought the show was hilarious. And what were they going to do? Get kick me out of the house so they could watch The Simpsons? <laughs> we lived in like a two-bedroom house in L.A. There was nowhere safe for me to go. Uh. Every time I'd go outside, otherwise I'd get bacterial encephalitis. <laughs> Every time. Literally. Every, every single time you went outside. I went outside once. Now, granted, to be fair, I was outside for 14 years. <laughs> Never went back in. You know, that's actually a true story. When my brother- that you were outside for 14 years? Almost. When, I, when my brother was born, I was at the height of my insane hyperactivity attention deficit. And I know every kid in the 80s had both of those, but I had them for very real. Like, I still have them. I still- it, to me, just trying to sit down and write my name on a piece of paper is like trying to do that for anyone else if they were surrounded by an orchestra. <laughs> so uh, it's just a really big problem for me. That's why I do this podcast, because it's one of the very few things I can pay attention to. Oh, yeah. Um, but w- when my brother was born, I was impossible to allow in the house, because I would forget to be quiet. <laughs> and so between my brother being born and him being about four, I was literally not allowed in the house, <laughs> unless it was my bedtime. I could drink from the hose. There would be a lunch placed outside for me. <laughs> I grew up. That's why I got encephalitis. I grew up on the streets of Los of a uh, Torrance, California. The mean streets. No, of the Torrance. very nice suburban streets of Torrance. The incredibly mean streets it was of definitely Torrance. very safe. If I if I got any injuries, they were all because I was doing things like 
oiling up plastic toboggans so I could ride them down the ice plant hills. <laughs> uh, I cracked open my Bozak on more than one occasion, John. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You ever seen the inside of a Bozak? That is some gross <laughs> shit in there. It's like, it, balls look like little brains. This is a this is a wonderful trip. I'm really glad we decided to watch this just so I could get this this wonderful view into your childhood. Yeah, the, the fact that I was basically a a, a ragamuffin for most of my childhood because you, I was just like a, not no allowed to read or I really this was Dickensian. Yeah. yeah, no, I would I would just run up and down the streets and beg for pennies from passersby. <laughs> Other kids would take pity on me and let them in their houses, and then their parents, who were all part of the network of parents, would see me in there and be like, no, no, he can't be in houses. <laughs> He's not allowed inside. He's not house trained. You can entertain him in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm going to give you a snack pack to take out to that poor unfortunate kid, but you do not let him in here. I'm He's sure. probably got fleas. I've definitely had fleas and ticks and Lyme disease and, and, and again, <laughs> bacterial encephalitis, which at the time had a 92% fatality rate. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm a miracle baby, John. You're, well. you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> I am. Uh, I used to be until I watched the ALF movie. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we are going to play a little music, and we will come right back with the full weird spoiler review of the ALF movie. You're the one who's out of this world, sweet baby. You're the one who's out of this world. I'm spinning in an orbit I ain't never been in. Because you're the one who's out of this world. All right, let's... I mean, I want to say let's get into this review, but honestly, I want to spend this entire hour talking about your childhood. Because that <laughs> shit is just delicious. I mean, I have... Literally no part of that is kidding. I can tell you with experience exactly which flowers on my street were poisonous or not. <laughs> From taste test? Yeah, that's correct. Good. Uh-huh. <laughs> One time I had to entertain myself for a good week because I found someone's slatted screen door that they had thrown in their garbage. One of those ones with the wooden slats. And uh -huh. I stole it from their garbage, took it apart, and used the slats to make boomerangs and gliders and stuff for a, a solid week. I swear to God, I thought you were going to say skis, and then you used that to <laughs> go down a hill. No, but one time I did, one of the people who lived across the street from me in, in South uh, Torrance was a uh, a surfboard constructor. He he would he would work and build surfboards. I stayed away from his house because the fiberglass air from it actually kind of hurt to breathe. Oh, yeah. So I would stay away from his house, but one time I found a surfboard in his trash, which I liberated, kicked the skeg off of, and went down a hill on that, and once again opened up my Bozak <laughs> real good. <laughs> no, I, I might as what well... Do you, just, I, do you just have a fucking zipper on there now? Is every, that... every dude does. You know the seam. <laughs> All yeah. I, the only difference is that my seam has been stitched twice. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> no, I was more or less, I would be allowed in at night to go to bed. I was more or less homeless during the summer like for about four years. Wild, wolf-raised child. <laughs> it's no joke. I lived on a street that had hills on both sides, like we were at the bottom of a valley on this hill, and I went down those hills on anything. <laughs> Literally anything. And but especially your Bozak. Well, okay. <laughs> so here's the here's the one that hurt me the most. A, a boogie board precariously balanced on two skateboards. <laughs> Not taped to, just held down with the body weight of a nine-year-old. <laughs> oh my god, everything about this is magic. I went down it once on a roller racer, which oh. I don't know if you ever tried to ride one of those, but they're powered by turning rapidly from left to right, and that's it. When you try to drive them down a straight hill, eventually they buckle, turn hard left, you fly 50 feet forward over concrete, and your Bozak is flayed. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, my childhood was refusing how to learn how to ride a bike because I was like, no, nah, that's dangerous. I'm going to stay inside. Thank you. <laughs> I've got my whole world of imagination in this book about ghosts. I know. I to say, you were mostly just swaddled up, reading about ghosts and eating marshmallows from a bowl. Just just sitting in the living room, swaddled in a blanket, <laughs> reading books about mythology and ghosts. Oh, man, bring me another bowl of Lucky Charms. Oops, all marshmallows, please, Bob. <laughs> Oh man, I am amazed that these <laughs> these two roads have converged in the way that they have. It makes no sense that we're friends. If we had met at the time, we would not have been. No, I'd have oh, been like, we would, but I'd be like the person who keeps throwing rocks at your window. Hey, let me in. Hey, let me into your house. Mom says I can't. Dressed in just like a Tarzan outfit. <laughs> yeah, just fucking loincloth and dirty. Dirt radiating off me like pig pen. <laughs> Come on, we'll go on an adventure. I don't like adventures. <laughs> You're, you would be my manic pixie dream friend. <laughs> hey, maybe I still am. <laughs> uh, uh, so the so Elf movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So you can easily place this movie if you do any, even the remotest amount of Alf trivia knowledge. Because one of the things about the Alf show was, like we were mentioning in the opening, uh, Alf was more or less, he, he kept getting tamer as the show went on. Well, yeah, because- when, he, when he first started, it was... Definitely a thing where I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that you would be able to get away with that on, like, primetime, but also puppet show. Yeah, the first season was groundbreaking for the 1980s, because he was like, he spends a lot of time dropping drug references, or, or uh, you, you know, he, threatening to eat the family cat, or uh, or one time he took a bath with a, with a plugged-in, like, toaster or something. This is, I remember reading about this in the news, that, he, he, that on the show he took a bath with a plugged-in toaster, and then some kid tried it. Yeah, because... The the weird thing for Alf was sort of throughout the entire series, he was basically, I mean, indestructible, but also very proven to be, like, not hurt by electricity. There are a lot of scenes in Alf where he'll, like, jam a finger into a socket or do something with circuits. It's or... almost like the running gag of the show was that him and the dad character would be, like, doing some tinkering together, and then the dad would get a shock and Alf wouldn't. Yeah, like, Willie, the, and Willie's, like, the only person from that family that is in this fucking movie. Oh, yeah, this movie was shot on the weirdly, weirdly cheap. It's a bizarre, I, I don't understand how this came into existence, it's so... Like, I almost feel like this is, like, a promo movie for the show, like a... It, oh, it, like a pilot? Yeah, it feels like it's a pilot after they already had a pilot. Yeah, like, they had this thing sitting around after they did the pilots, and so they were like, well... We can we'll uh, we'll run this thing as a movie because we have a gap in our our year. It was like, like oh no, Punky Brewster dropped two episodes. Uh, run this thing. Yeah, I mean, it honestly feels like this is what they ran to try and ask for a second season. They're like, hey, we come on, guys. Well, it's particularly notable because it drops all the major conventions of of uh, a 1980s TV movie. They don't go to Australia, <laughs> and it's not Christmas. Well, they also don't go to Hawaii, which is the other thing that yeah. you do. Yeah, there's no there's no Elf Island adventure happening here, and, and it's not. Uh, they don't learn a Christmas lesson, and at the very end, you hear it like like the show proves that Santa Claus is real. Yeah, like what's the list of shows sitcoms where Santa is actually real? I mean, that would be very easy for Alf to just be like, "Yeah, Al- Santa's real, and he's on Melmac. <laughs> he's another one. Whatever, whatever I am, am I Melmacian? I don't know." <laughs> I'm a Mel Macoer. <laughs> I'm a Mel Maco. That's what we call ourselves, Mel Macos. Ha! We, we call ourselves Mel Maclamores. 
<laughs> that joke's going to be funny in 20 years. I probably shouldn't tell it then. Ha! I kill me! Ha! And no one else! <laughs> no one likes this! <laughs> What's my appeal? <laughs> so the the entire thing with this is we get the opening of this where another craft is crashing down to Earth, Mm -hmm. and we find our villain of the movie, which is fucking, I don't know what his name is, John Locke from Lost. (laughs) Whatever That's that's Terry O'Quinn. Terry O'Quinn, there you go. uh, I watched Lost as religiously as you did, but I always, for my entire life, will think of him as Howard Hughes from The Rocketeer. Wow, I didn't what? Yeah, no. There's two scenes with Howard Hughes and the Rocketeer, and and uh, and he plays him. Uh, he's got a wig on because I think Terry O'Quinn's been bald since like 1985. <laughs> he, he he played villains in like Miami Vice and stuff, but but yeah, in the Rocketeer, there's the scene where I don't know if you remember this, where where uh, Cliff's old buddy uh, swaps the the uh, rocket pack for a, a 1950s Lux looking vacuum cleaner. Man, I don't remember shit from that movie. I have not watched The Rocketeer in like 25 years. Oh, uh, well, okay, I'll just skip to the good scene then. Cliff Secord has to raid uh, 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 Howard Hughes's building in order to steal the plans for the rocket pack so that he can, like, uh, uh, fix it or something. He needs it for Peavy, who's the guy who builds shit for him. Okay. Uh, he it, While escaping, Howard Hughes is, like, sort of chasing him, and then Cliff jumps up, grabs onto a big old scale model of the Spruce Goose, and glides out of the building. And then it cuts back over to Howard Hughes who goes, huh, so it will fly. <laughs> I, God, I have zero recollection of this. <laughs> Here's the thing. The Rocketeer is one of my all-time favorite superheroes, and that's also one of my all-time favorite superhero movies. All right. So, so I remember it to a T. I mean, of course it's my favorite superhero movie. It's got a fucking GB in it. It's got two GBs in it. It's got heebie-jeebies it's, in it. Also it's got CBGBs. Uh, yeah, they go to CBGBs. Yeah, they do some dancing around with Steve Allen. It's a, a Steve Allen. Yeah, Steve Allen. <laughs> they do some dancing around with the guy who sang Camp Granada. <laughs> good, good job. I'm sorry. They do some. I mean, that would be less gross than them dancing around with G.G. Allen, who is who I meant to say. <laughs> Hey, I'm the Rocketeer. Oh, that's great. I got shit on myself. <laughs> I'm eating broken glass. Oh, I hate you. Ugh. And yeah, there's also some heebie-jeebies because, you know, there's that terrifying Nazi British character. Yeah. And then here's the only scene you should remember. The part where the cops and the Nazis get along because, it, not the cops and the uh, mob get along because, by God, they're American. Yeah, at least they ain't Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I love that movie. So John Locke sees the fucking thing coming down, and he is tracking it. Yes, wearing a suit, and he's do- he's doing he's. This is set too far back for him to be doing the other big elements of being a, a government agent. He doesn't have the cord connected to an earpiece. No, instead he's got a big old fucking chasing around ET style walkie-talkie. Yeah, and you know, just watching one of those like ping on the radar things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which of course, because this show had a budget of about fifteen cents, is like it's actually just a picture of the ship crashing yeah and not just like a blip you're like okay i'm that's i don't think that's how radar works but sure yeah whatever it's the government they got secret tracky radars (laughs) they got weird radar here at the government but anyway he's sitting in some government building we don't know where i like to assume it's the pentagon and then he he's he's looking at this radar which is helpfully just labeled chicago (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, yes, we got one. And then he picks up the phone to start dialing it. But because this movie has a cast of fours, uh, (laughs) he doesn't actually call or speak to anyone. No, we get to cut to fucking Alf and Willie. Uh, 
sitting in a building where Willie gets the unenviable job of announcing that he will be the only cast member here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> It's like that scene in fucking uh, Batman v Superman where they have to go like, oh, they're fighting at the docks. Thankfully, no one is there. <laughs> that was that took me so far out of that movie. That was such a swing in the other direction for for the bat for the uh, DC franchise, where the first one was just like, nah, fucking kill everyone in Metropolis. Who gives a flying yeah, fuck? Yeah, we're, we're gonna blow up hundreds of thousands of people. Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> What's going on in uh, Gotham though? Oh, everyone goes home at six. Yeah. Oh, they're in the downtown. Thankfully, it's seven o'clock and no one's there. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was Metropolis, too. I love the idea that Metropolis just cleans up and goes home. Yeah, downtown Metropolis is just a fucking ghost town once it gets past quitting time. <laughs> but uh, but in this case, Willie says, he's just like, man, it's so nice and quiet around here ever since my wife took the two kids off for their summer vacation together. And then, you know, you hear the clattering in the kitchen and smoke bursts out from between the little, like, cowboy-style doors. Because the house has one of those, like, like swing door pantry serving station things. Yeah. So instead of having like a full wall between like the living room and the kitchen, there's one of those like, uh, like half wall, ma- like half walls that's got like a sliding. Yeah. And uh, you know they added that because that way you could just have Fusco standing there and doing the puppet. Yeah. It's yeah. just way easier to do all the puppet stuff if it's like, what is this? Oh, he's propping himself up at this window. Have you ever read about the process of making the show? I have the, not. The, the show was was filmed on a two foot high platform. Like, the whole house was built on a two-foot-high platform so that, that puppeteers could walk around underneath. And apparently, the whole show is full of outtakes of the actors falling in the holes. Because <laughs> it was really hard to remember where they all were because the whole place was completely rigged up for elf puppets. Yeah. And there'd be, like, three puppeteers down there. And then for the for this, you can see it happening in this season as well, though they dropped this by the next season. Uh, the the uh, elf facial features were controlled by radio control. There was a fourth puppeteer whose only job was to sit there with a friggin' teeth, like airplane radio control, and can make him smile and stuff. Oh, good. So, but anyway, <laughs> you know, he's like, ah, it sure is quiet here. Crash, crash, bang, bang, smoke, smoke. <laughs> Alf. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> the uh, a lot of them are getting along until they get the fucking uh, phone call. Mm-hmm. Oh, that crash, though. The crash, crash, smoke, smoke. And then Alf opens up the stupid little double doors and smoke comes piling out. And he's like, hey, uh, how many waffle irons does the average human house have? I cannot understand the... I mean, I'm going to say this. Every fucking joke in this is the worst joke. It's like a non-joke. Like, you know, you'd have a thing where he's like, oh, no, I electrocuted myself. That's electricity! And you're like, that's not... You can't... That's not a joke. You can't just say what happened. Like, oh, that guy fell down. Ha! And you're like, no. I bet his butt hurts. You can't you can't just do that. And indeed they do. Ugh. So so yeah, it turns out that he is stuck alone at home with Elf. And then yeah, they get a phone call. Yeah. And it's I don't know who's the fucking do you did you look up who the other fucking alien Oh, I, I recognized him immediately. I mean, he's been... Uh, you know me and my Disney movie obsession, right? Yeah. I mean, this guy has been in Pocahontas. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, oh, God. He's been in at least two... Uh, Lilo and Stitch and at least one other movie. I think Hercules? This is David Ogden Steers. I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> so David Ogden Steers is an actor, voice actor type guy who's been around for fucking forever. Like, since the late 60s. He was on M.A.S.H., 
He was huh. like a big fucking deal on MASH. And uh, and then after that, he goes on to become a voice actor. Uh, he's still working. I don't know if he's dead, actually. But he was working as recently as the mid-2000s. But a couple roles you'd probably remember him for. The big two are uh, uh, Dr. Jumba from, from Lilo and Stitch. Nope. Oh, shit. Well, okay, a lot of my listeners, our listeners, are like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, your listeners. My listeners, my listeners aren't. My listeners, the the <laughs> the elite, are, are going, oh, yeah, Jumba, the four-eyed, big old alien with a vaguely Russian accent who's like, you know, ah, yes, at this point he will attempt to conquer major city, that kind of thing. Um, and then also, probably more to your speed, he was Cogsworth. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, I got you. Yeah, so David- I got you, fam. <laughs> so, so David Ogden Steers calls- uh, uh, and he's David Ogden Steers. He's like, "Hello, I'm David Ogden Steers." Yeah, I say it like that, David Ogden Steers, like I'm, <laughs> like I'm that one, like, like I'm that crappy doctor from The Simpsons. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, David Ogden Steers. Here we have the tombstone of noted poet Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> <laughs> no, he gets. They get a call, and over the. Oh, I mean, it's amazing how little setup this movie bothers with. Oh yeah. It's like, just, it's so paint by numbers. Like, the fact that they get a call and it's for Gordon. Yeah. And Willie's like, wait, what? Who? Gordon? Like, what? And he's all, like, freaked out briefly because he's like, oh, how do you know, how do you have this number? And so on. But, you know, he gives it to Gordon and the voice is just like, hey, Gordon. It, it, well, no, he's a little, I can't do his voice, John. He's, he's a little effete, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it would be not Cogsworthy, but, like, of that same thing. Where he's kind like, of a Niles. Yeah, he's like. Oh, go- uh, Gordon, hey, it's your brother Mitch. Yeah, and we're like, okay, so first of all, let's all let's stop all the presses here because I know every member of Alf's fucking family because while I never watched this late-night TV show about Alf, I definitely watched that cartoon. I know I did watch the cartoon. The weird thing to me is I, I can only remember the very briefest of snippets from it. I remember more of the actual Alf show which was on earlier than I do of the cartoon. Oh, man, the things I remember about the cartoon are the cartoon was perfectly... This is so weird to me that on the show, censors kept telling them to stop doing things. Quit eating cats. Quit quit having Alf hurt himself. Quit having Alf make drug references. But on the, sh- on the cartoon, they were fine with all of that. Oh, oh yeah. You want to play baseball with live fish? It's fine. Do it on Saturday morning. It's fine. Who's watching this? Definitely more kids, but don't worry about it. Yeah, but because it's cartoon, they're like, oh, no one will want to do this because it's a cartoon. Yeah, and the, the theme song to the Elf cartoon show was sung by cats that Elf wanted to eat. <laughs> although, I'm sorry, although the show was called Elf, like the animated series or whatever, they the word Elf was never said on it. They just called him Gordon. Yeah, because that's his name. Yeah. Because Elf was what was, it's his slave name. Yeah. <laughs> Your name is Alf. <laughs> Gordon Shumway. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. So, but on the show, he had a little brother and sister, but neither of them was named Mitch. Yeah. I have to imagine that probably the cartoon just didn't even bother watching the TV show or anything. Well, it's not like this character's going to show up again. Fuck, David Ogden Steers is in, is in Alf again. I checked. Oh he, my god, is he? He's on, in season three, he does two episodes as a character named Flaky Pete. <laughs> uh, that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Weird, right? Am I doing the joke right, John? Am is, I doing, that, is that the joke? Am I doing same correctly? Yeah, you, you know what else you're doing correctly? Vaudeville! <laughs> Hey, that's my line. <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, Mitch is calling. And he's like, oh, capital. You know, um, he's he's kind of like, a, almost like a proto-Stewie. Yeah. 
Uh, it's it's weird to hear, although it's you know David Ogden Steers doesn't sound a fucking thing like like uh, Stewie. No, but he's got some similar mannerisms coming out of a bit more of a raspy baritone of a voice. Yeah, so it's weird. It, it takes some getting used to. But he's like, "Oh, Capital, please come and meet me immediately. I've come on vacation." Yeah, and so now we have to have a fucking road trip with Willie and Alf to go get Mitch. <laughs> have you ever seen so much random B roll of 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 a street going by in the background? Oh my god! Why did they drive? It's like fucking four minutes of establishing shots, and then they'll like cut into the car. And Alf will just be, like, sitting in the passenger seat, just so we can establish that, yes, it is indeed them. And they're still driving through a suburban neighborhood everywhere they go. Let's let's be clear here. They are going to Chicago to meet this Mitch character that I guess is Alf's brother, uh, and also to quickly get to him before... Because Alf knows that government oh, yeah. guys will catch him. So they're like, lay low and we'll come to you. Uh, but... But I mean, the Tanner family, where where Alf lives, is in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah, which you know the show doesn't fucking mention. So it's we had to look this. The movie doesn't mention. We had to look this up. But it's clear that the whole movie is in Southern California. Oh yeah, it's like we're driving to Chicago. Here we are in Chicago. Yeah. This is L.A. <laughs> this no, is this cool. is Chicago. Welcome to Chicago. Didn't you see the the uh, establishing <laughs> shot of Wrigley Stadium? Didn't Didn't you see the big sign that says "Welcome to Chicago"? And then. We oh, are that, here. That sign that said Chicagoland area, and it's got like the, the the arrow pointing or whatever from the opening to Perfect Strangers. Yeah, it was like <laughs> basically a shot for shot remake of the opening to Perfect Strangers, so that you can establish that yes, indeed, we are in Chicago. Yeah. It's not enough that we're going to Chicago. We have to go to all the landmarks first, real quick, and then we'll go where we're going. Oh yeah. Hey, how do we find this guy? I don't know. I got to drive literally all over town. We took the subway to that one important theater that everyone cares about. <laughs> anyway, back to the car. So, yeah, I, so they drive for, I don't know, maybe a, maybe 20 minutes. Not not a full screen time, but there's no mention made of the fact that driving from the San Fernando Valley of California to Chicago, Illinois, is about a two and a half day drive. No, it's just sort of a, let's do a few shots and then we are there. And I'm like, you know what, fine. If, if you want to go ahead and say that you're just going to drive there like it's a fucking Sunday drive, Great. I mean, to be fair, there are a couple of, like, gags that they do along the way. Like, they stop at the Grand Canyon so that fucking Alf can say something ridiculous. <laughs> I And he's like, uh, on my planet, we'd fill that that thing with soup or whatever it fucking is. I don't even... Uh, but and, and then also they have a drive through bit. Yeah. Which, of course they do. So they go through a drive through and, you know, Willie's like, I'll have one, number one. There's no nerdier, sad little character than Willie Tanner on television. I have to say, he is... He's sort of like a weird outlier for me in sitcoms in that a lot of the time the dad, like you don't really get that weird nerd thing for the dad. No, I mean, the closest you probably get is the one, the Michael J. Fox show where the dad is kind of a peace-loving hippy-dippy archetype. But even then, it's, he's still like very clearly like uh, the man of the house and he's he's a real dad and you get a lot of like, stern father figures and occasionally you'll get shit where it's like oh i'm a coach or i'm like some kind of person who's in charge of things but willie tanner is like the most beset upon sad dump of a man he's a little handyman type or something and and okay let me let me let me float a concept pie john willie tanner lives with elf for about five years yeah at the end of that the show just ends abruptly it's set up for a sixth season but never happens at the end of that he suddenly realizes that elf is a puppet like he's he didn't really, he thought the whole time he's been living with an alien and then he realizes there's all these holes in his floor and he's been living with a puppet and a bunch of puppeteers and he goes completely insane. 
<laughs> and he is a little balding man with perfectly circular glasses. And the next thing you know, he shows up in Gotham as the ventriloquist. <laughs> oh, that's good. Right? That's a, that's a good ending for that. <laughs> And then Batman beats him up over and over again, and he keeps making Scarface again. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he is so he looks like the ventriloquist, and his show was him hanging around a puppet. Yeah, no, that's true. That's very true. It's it's weird. It's weird that no one makes this connection ever. No. Yeah. I, now that you mention it, yes, 100%. Yeah, it's it's insane. But, yeah, they have to do a little drive-thru, and he's like, I'll have one, number one. With- <laughs> do they have cats? Yeah. I'll take two cat burgers. <laughs> I want the kitty fries. <laughs> They're like, Sir, did you say you would like the children's fries? No, I want kitty fries! Please, Alf, shut up. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically the whole thing. It's just him trying to order insane food. You know, like, I'll also take one terrine of bouillabaisse. (laughs) You're like, what? Bouillabaisse? What? What What are you doing? All right, fine. Do you have a lasagna? (laughs) How much hair does your serving boy have? It's it's very unusual. I mean, it's it's not. I, I shouldn't say it's unusual. I'm guessing if you were a regular fan of Elf at the time, you're like, God, how many how many boring regular Elf jokes are going to be in this thing? Uh, all of them. Every single all one. of the boring Elf jokes. <laughs> so, anyway, they get to Chicago, and over like a street vendor, over a couple of Chicago dogs, they finally get to meet the character that's unique to this movie, Mitch. Mitch Shumway, who. Pretty much just looks like if you gave Alf, instead of a Hawaiian shirt, he was wearing, like, a little suit. Yes, that's true. He does have a stupid little suit. I'm like, come on, guys. You just, you took one of your spare Alf puppets and put different clothes on it. That's exactly what happened. And I always kind of expected that there would be at least one episode of Alf where a girl Alf showed up. And it just has a bow. It's just an Alf with a bow and, and uh, like, eyebrow or eyelashes. Yeah. Apparently that never happened. It's sad, really. Yeah. I think probably they learned their lesson from this. <laughs> Don't do this. People will figure it out right away. But yeah, it's a little elf with, with uh, black horn-rimmed glasses and a little bow tie and a suit. Yeah. It kind of just looks like if Alf was Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Willie has to really try and get them to uh, the hotel where they're staying at, and that's where we get the first meeting of fucking uh agent jeffries which is john Locke. yeah we we don't uh, i couldn't possibly call him anything other than Locke or howard hughes but yeah yeah or i guess terry o'quinn i mean the dude's got a huge body of work no he is 100 percent just john Locke to me forever and i, I mean, don't care to be fair that lost is probably his biggest success oh yeah i mean, I mean he's, he's been gonna movies. remember him from something yeah he's been in a dozen movies but lost was practically his starring role because I mean, there's he gets a bunch of episodes. Oh yeah, there's yeah. a shitload about him specifically. He's a very important character. Yeah. And right now, I literally can't remember the name of the actual character that was supposed to be the main character. Was it just Jack? Jack? Fucking Jack! It's always Jack. Yeah, it's always Jack. Did you know that Jack, literally, like literally, is like thirty-five to forty percent of of the names of leading characters in Hollywood? Yeah, and they're all architects. <laughs> well, I mean, all Jacks are architects is an outdated stereotype, sir. <laughs> but all architects are Jacks. <laughs> I gotta say, as far as your stereotypes about Jack go, you're Jack off hey! on that one. <laughs> I tried, but that was terrible. No, that was that was really bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I kill me and no one else. <laughs> I kill me. Uh, so it so Mitch, it turns out, has decided to just visit his brother Alf or Gordon, and and he just dropped whatever he was doing and flew down. And he's doing that weird sitcom thing and movie thing that. You, you, you get used to and seeing in movies and stuff that 
that you never see anywhere else, which is, I decided to come visit. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm doing Al's voice for him. Oh, I've decided to come visit you. And, you know, unfortunately, I've decided to come at, at, without calling or making any sort of prior plans. And I'm going to be here for six weeks. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Willie's like, this is so weird, Alf. He doesn't sound anything like you. Yeah, he's the black sheep of the family. <laughs> They're like, oh, okay, good. This is what we're going with. Yeah, yeah. It turns out, and, and, the, and there's a big twist gag coming pretty soon here, where it turns out that that despite Mitch sounding like that and wearing glasses and a suit, that he's the dumb one on Melmac. <laughs> like, because uh, but I think it's just because it's supposed to be, you know, Mel- Melmac is fucking opposite planet. Oh, yeah. And so- Melmac is some weird... Like, if a, you had a whole planet of parrot heads is basically what Melmac is. Yes, and then he's the one who's like, oh, oh, fellows, who would like to play a game of quoits? <laughs> and, and they're all like, oh, you dummy. And he's like, I've been reading the work of, of, uh, of, of famed author uh, Alexander Painwright or something. And they're all like, oh, you big dummy. No. You you doof. You idiot. You yeah. absolute moron. So he's we're doing that, uh, where, where Willie's going to be led to think that this dude's a nerd, but it turns out he's kind of a dope. Yeah. He's also, I mean, basically, this is the weirdest thing about the movie. He's basically uninhibited Alf. Well, yeah, it's, Alf essentially has, at this point, an entire season's worth of people admonishing him not to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we can't have you going outside and doing stuff unless you're in some weird disguise. Definitely don't eat any cats you see. Yeah, and so, you know, fucking uh, Mitch is just like, oh yeah, no, I'm... I'm I'm going to go and try and eat cats. I'm going to try and be as huge of a dumbass as I can be. I've come to sample the great cats of the upper northwest, he says. And Al's like, oh, oh, no. Oh, oh, they don't like it when you try to eat their pets. Yeah, and that's that's the joke. Yeah, that's the whole joke. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so well, Locke, nah, 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 nah. Locke fucking shows up at their hotel and, of course, Alf and Mitch have to go hide, and they're just hiding on the fucking uh, stairwell outside. Oh, yeah, they do the thing where there's a knock at the door, and Tanner ha- or Willie has to answer it. This is the weirdest thing to me, is they're in a hotel, but... I mean, are there hotels that have the fucking fire escape? I assume there must be. I, I think this is a West Coast thing for me, where I don't... We never see fire escapes here. I, because... I never see a fire escape. No, because they'd fall off in an earthquake. Yeah. That's why we don't have them. I, there's a whole bunch of differences between Chicago buildings and, and Los Angeles buildings that, that all make perfect... Or San Diego buildings, in our case, that all make perfect sense. You can build them in Chicago, and every building in Chicago is made out of just bricks. Yeah. You can't do that here. <laughs> you can't just have bricks. That, that shit would come apart like a bad Jenga tower. You can't have a basement. Yeah, you can't have basements, you can't have bricks, and you can't have fire escapes here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing that they probably make fire escapes a, a relatively regular thing on old Chicago hotels. And, of course, because this is a sitcom movie, they're going to the oldest possible Chicago hotel so it can look all Chicago-y. Oh, yeah, it's it's just a shitty, run-down little motel. Yeah, so they go and they hide on the fire escape, and... <laughs> You know, fucking uh, what was it, Jeffries? Agent Jeffries comes up and he's like, "Sir, we've we've had reports of uh, unusual disturbances in this area. Have you have you seen any little green men?" <laughs> oh no, sir, no- nothing like that here. Anything that goes bump in the night, <laughs> that kind of shit, right? Yeah. And and you know, unfor- you know, Willie's just trying to explain it away and get rid of him. But of course, because it's an Alf movie, Mitch is out on the fire escape, like trying to catch and eat pigeons. Yeah. And so you hear all these ruffly banging noises. He's like, get in my, oh, no, get in my mouth, you bird. <laughs> and, 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 and he's, uh, you know, Jeffries is like, uh, did, did you hear something? 
Oh, no, I must have uh, left the TV on. Mm, yes, I was watching. I'm sorry, I'm doing everyone's voices today. I don't know why I'm doing that. But he's like, yeah, I was I was watching that, that hit new show, Get In My Mouth, You Bird. <laughs> uh, I, I, and then I'm, I'm rehearsing for a play called Get In My Mouth, You Bird. <laughs> it's a, it's- also, also, there's a radio drama. Get in my mouth, you bird. Also, the new hit single, Get in my mouth, you bird. And I'm listening to this book on tape, Get in my mouth, you bird. Weird, right? Yeah. Odd convergence. Anyway, goodbye. Thank you for visiting. Bye. <laughs> so, so yeah, he manages to mollify him this time, although it's a comedy of bouncing errors. Yeah. And at this point, they fucking lose Mitch out from the fire escape. Oh, yeah, because he was like, get in my mouth, you bird. And then he jumps off the fire escape to catch one, just assuming that, I guess on Melmac, he can fly or they don't. They I don't, mean, they, they don't explain this. Hurt. Yeah, like, there's a lot of points where you'll just see like the puppet of Alf in the show go like flying off in some direction because mm-hmm. it's a sight gag. Yeah. So it's just sort of like, oh, we dropped the puppet for Mitch off the side of this building and he just went. whoop. Yeah. So he lands in a garbage truck. We get to see that. But that's all, because then they cut to, basically just cut back to Alf going, oh, no, I'm going to get blamed for this. So now they have to go fucking wander around Chicago, which is basically a uh, excuse to use more of the establishing shots. Yeah, and there's a lot of, I, I want to say, like, 80s public access grade, like, green screen rear projection footage here. Oh, yeah. Of Alf just being shook up, up and down violently as he just get carried across Images of the streets of Chicago. I, man, it is real cheap. <laughs> like, just sadly cheap. Yeah. Oh, the meatpacking district. I bet they could pack meat into me. Ha! Huh! That kind of thing. That's that's all it is. Yeah. And it's it's that level of, of bare bones humor where no one stops to think about how terrible of a gay joke that also was. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, people stopped to I think. I mean, no one on the cast or crew, but all the all the folks at home were like, oh, come on now. Hey, now. Whoa, hey. <laughs> Whoa, it's 1987. That stuff doesn't fly. <laughs> oh, look, the fudge packing district. <laughs> We've gone through the fudge packing district, the meat packing district, the ass packing district, <laughs> the gay sex district, <laughs> the, the penis in butt district. <laughs> and here we are in old hand job district. Old hand job district. It's called the old hand job district. There's a new hand job district, but it didn't take off. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, it's just called the commerce area. <laughs> oh my god! So, I th- I think we just made the movie ten times. Oh better. yeah, I think our jokes are better than this fucking movie's <laughs> jokes. Paul Fusco, call us. Call me. I've got a new hit for you. I've got a crazy idea for you, Alf. But he's funny now, <laughs> Alf. But with jokes. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that someone already had that idea, and his name is Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Yeah, that's pretty much what Triumph is, is just Alf with jokes. Yeah, just sort of, it's, it, and you know, it's, it's what's his name, Smeagol, Robert Smeagol? Smeagol. Smeagol. It's, it's Robert Smeagol. Yes, <laughs> precious. My precious dog puppet. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, just call us, and we have a great idea for you. It's called, uh, it's called Alf the Insult Comic Alien. <laughs> Yeah, good. That's what we're going with. <laughs> so uh, we get the uh, the big actual crossover thing here, which was not a, a long scene, but definitely unexpected. Yeah, no, it's de- it's definitely true. They they are wandering through that park in Chicago where the free zoo is. Yeah, 
And uh, while they're while they're doing some some, if this is the one shot in this that looks like they actually used a location. I, I don't think it's the actual free zoo. I've been there, and it doesn't it didn't look like it very much. But, no, but uh, they did like they had a popcorn stand in the background, and you know, like like a cage wall, but no animals coming up to it. And then they they uh, while, while Alf is doing some backwards picture taking uh, walking, he bumps into someone, turns around, and wouldn't you know it, it's 1987 Soleil Moon Fry. Yeah, it is punky goddamned Brewster who immediately thinks that Alf is her dog because she's looking for her dog. Yes, so that's the big gag we have here is that, and, and she has some routine that she spills out about how she's here because the dog always comes here and she keeps expecting that one of the tigers is going to eat him. Yeah, and I mean, like, when she bumps into Alf, she's like, oh, there you are, and, like, turns around and hugs him, and then Alf's like, whoa, what are you doing? Yeah, well, it's especially funny once she gets the leash on him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like you as a friend. <laughs> yeah. My safe word is boyabase. <laughs> Once again, call us, Paul call, Fusco. Call us, Alf with jokes. Because I think the actual line was, I'm not a dog. Yeah. You're like, come on, man. Have have a joke. <laughs> Please. Any joke at all. <laughs> what are you, my ex-wife? <laughs> I'm in Chicago, not Germany. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they have... Like a three-minute adventure of finding this fucking dog yeah. before he asks if she's seen anyone like him. Yeah, and then, you know, in another little minor cameo moment, they find the dog. She says, oh, yeah, I did think I saw my dog. That's why I chased him all the way to the park. I saw him passing by on one of a, on a horse-drawn carriage. So now he's off to find a fucking horse-drawn carriage. And we get the other, George Gaines shows up for one shot in this movie. He's the guy who played Punky's adopted ward, Mr. Ganymont or whatever his name was. Mr. Ganymede. I don't remember. I never watched Punky Brewster. That wasn't my jam. But he played like the 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 daddy warbucks to her Annie. Yeah. And so Although he's, you know, like real middle class. So <laughs> he's extraordinarily middle class. He's like, I have an apartment. He played Daddy No Bucks to her <laughs> Annie. Daddy Middle Bucks. <laughs> Oh, that's right. This was the 80s. There was still a middle class. Yeah, a middle class existed. It was the mid-80s. I forgot about that. Shoot, that was a time where you could have one, you could be retired and still be able to afford an apartment in Chicago. Yeah, it was like, oh, I've, I've got an apartment, and it's a two-bedroom, yeah. and it's just me. I need to fill this with a adorable but says everything that's on her mind little scamp of a kid yep. and her wily dog. Yep, that's what I need. So Some kid and a golden retriever. But he pops up to basically say, Punky! Punky Brewster, and then she's like, "Oh, that's that's me." And, you know, they, the two of them walk off together. Yeah, I and, was like, "That's." I mean, I was kind of surprised given how low budget this is, but they were on the same network, so I guess they were just sort of around. Must have been. He has what I want to say is the only movie line in the movie that actually made me laugh, because he he finds Punky, they hug, he looks up and he goes, "Thank you for finding her, Gordon," and then he turns and walks off. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was like a twinkle in his eye Gordon moment. I was, I was like, how does he... Uh, wait, is there an established continuity? <laughs> do we do we have a crossover universe? Is there is there an expanded ALF universe? <laughs> well, there is now. Now, now ALF is le- legitimately part of the Punky Brewster universe. Oh, yeah. Which I think means he's part of the, the Sabrina the Teenage Witch universe, which I think means he's part of... Archie? Archie, which definitely means he's connected to the Punisher. Which definitely means that on the show Riverdale, Alf is going to show up. Just yeah. you wait. We're definitely going to get Alf on Riverdale. We're also going to get him doing a two-episode a two arc on Daredevil Season 3. <laughs> God, I would 
fucking love that so much. Ah, I kill me unless anyone has the balls to stop me. <laughs> ah, I kill the hand. <laughs> no one else will, you fucking pussy. Come on, daredevil. I'm your newest villain, Bulls Elf. <laughs> Bulls Elf for Harambe. <laughs> I never miss. I don't know why I'm giving I, My accents are terrible. I apologize. Yeah, it's just real bad for so, you, man. <laughs> but yeah, he's playing Bullseye, but he's Elf. That's the joke. That's the joke. It's the joke. That, uh, that's the tweet. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so they know that he was, they, they last spotted him on a horse-drawn carriage. That's where Mitch was. Yeah. Now, the great thing about this is, at this point, Alf basically does a, like that follow that car taxi thing, mm-hmm. but in another horse-drawn carriage, which then also behind him has another horse-drawn carriage with fucking John Locke in it. And you're like, why are we doing this low-speed horse chase? They're going like two and a half miles an hour. At any point, Agent Jeffries could just get out and walk to the one horse-drawn carriage. And I fucking love that Mitch is still in the carriage for some reason. Yeah, and we're playing that. 1970s cop waka chicka m- music you know yeah like the stuff you'd see on on uh I, I, like dragnet or something during a car chase yeah that stuff yeah <laughs> exactly that <laughs> playing as as three horse-drawn carriages which could easily throw rocks to each other <laughs> are, are are running through the park part of chicago uh, but and, and even then when they pull out and show the shots of the horse-drawn carriages it's clear they <laughs> cut back to b-roll of them huh. Uh, you, you never see two of them in two horse-drawn carriages at the same time, which means that they had a horse-drawn carriage on their back lot in L.A. where they were filming this. Yeah. Just like, just the the carriage part. Just the one. <laughs> and they were just taking turns putting the puppet in it and then putting uh, Terry O'Quinn in it. Oh, God. When they finally fucking get out, so both of them have their little outfits on, their disguises and hats, mm-hmm. and they go through a uh, like an alleyway, and on the back of it, of course, Terry O'Quinn is like, I've got you, and it turns around, and it's just two little people in the same outfit. And you're like, this is the worst gag. Why? Fucking, why are you doing this movie? I mean, there's so many other ways that could have ended that and still kept with the whole Elf Goes to Chicago theme. We could have had, like, a parade for the Mets go by. <laughs> because, yeah, but that would require yeah. people. No, it would also require that the Mets be in Chicago instead of New York. I'm yeah, just saying well, that to piss that. off Chicago fans. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it could have been that wonderful borough of New York, Boston. Boston. I'm terrible at geography and baseball teams. You, you don't know where Although, things are. if I hadn't said the, the Mets are from New York, you never would have stopped me. Oh, I wouldn't have stopped you. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. No, it would be great if there was a parade for the Mets in Chicago. Yeah. Just a bunch a of New Yorkers. Just a bunch of shoot New Yorkers show up and parade around going, like, yeah, Mets, try oh, and stop us. <laughs> and boy, howdy, would Chicago. <laughs> They take their sports so goddamn seriously. If you had a Mets parade, that shit would be on fire. <laughs> it's very true. No one in town would have batteries the next day for all of them would have been thrown at Mets fans. Yeah, like, I do not think that would be at all a, a capable thing to do and still live. Like, at some point, you would just be like, well, I've been thrown off of a building now. But hey, it would definitely separate Agent Jeffries from uh, from Alf and Mitch. <laughs> And, and while he's chasing Alf, he yells out, stop, Alf, which is, I, I know that on the show they occasionally said Alf. Like yeah. they, they call, That's what they called him in the house and so on. So this leads to a little conversation in another alley where the two, where the two uh, aliens have escaped to, where, where Mitch goes, why do they call you Alf here? 
and it's because it stands for alien life form. Yeah. So it actually makes sense that fucking John Locke will say that. Yes. Yeah, he calls them elves because he wants to catch alien life forms. It's his like, dream or something. Yeah. We don't get that much of his backstory, but the basic idea is that he's... Uh, he, he, in every cartoon where there's aliens or something, you have to have that obsessive person who knows the truth. Oh, yeah. It's basically like a, a weird, menacing Mulder. Yes. Yeah. He's like, I know the truth. There's definitely aliens, and I'm going to I'm catch gonna one. I'm going to have proof. Finally, I'll, they'll stop laughing at me. I'll catch one of these elves. So, you know, he has to explain it, and he's like, well... Wait, aren't they going to give you a nickname? No, they're going to call me Mitch. <laughs> oh, they've oh. been calling me Alf. They'll call me Mitch, dear boy. <laughs> no, my name is Mitch. You're Gordon. Why do they call you Alf? Mitch is my name. I'm your brother. <laughs> I'm quite dumb. <laughs> oh, God. See, now I was just going to Back to the Future. I was like, it's your brother, Mitch Shumway, get a load of this. <laughs> it's just some dude on and it's stage just fucking borscht belt shit. I was going to say some dude just hacking his way through friggin' like, take my wife stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, that's not a woman, that's my wife. I know you're out there. I can hear you not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I just flew in from Chicago. Boy, are my, is my wallet tired. Airplanes are expensive. Huh? Uh, and what's the deal with airplane food? Why don't they give you any? Well, anymore. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a pretty good Borscht Belt joke now. Is to go, what's the deal with airline food? How do I get some? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the answer is, you pay $12, they will bring you a little food basket with, like, a bag of Cheez-Its in it. Yeah, a wrapped sandwich mm-hmm. and, like, better peanuts. I did it once. I was on a flight for a job I had where they were sending me to some convention somewhere to, like, learn about being an, uh, a development person. And I ordered food on the plane because it was like a six-hour flight, and I was hungry and bored. Yeah. Uh, so, But it was like, here, have raisins and figs and a little wedge of cheese. And also, once they know you're a food orderer, they'll keep showing up again. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the same thing if you had ordered alcohol. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, hey, did you want another beer or a tiny bottle of tequila? Which makes me wonder if it's worth it on an airplane to just order one tiny bottle of tequila once, just so I could have sodas the whole flight. Ah, just... Ooh, I think I might be tasty, feeling like another tequila in about, uh, oh, 20 minutes. But until then, can I get a Diet Coke? <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't drink Diet Coke on planes. It's all uh, cranberry juice for me in the air. Oh, really? I was going to say ginger ale. Ginger Gin- ale is the thing that you get on airplanes. Ginger ale is quite good on airplanes, but I like cranberry juice when I'm on them. And it's it, There's actually a scientific explanation. It like, opens up parts of your mouth. Like, the pressure changes the shape yeah, of Yeah, it opens mouth. up part of my mouth. The part that <laughs> cranberry juice goes in. The mouth part. Yeah, that part where I put... But, but there are, there are a couple drinks that taste very different. Cran- uh, cranberry juice tastes different to me, but for most people, it's either ginger ale or tomato juice. Oh. They both taste way different and apparently way better if you're in the sky. Yeah, fuck yeah. I love yeah. ginger ale on an airplane, but I always get cran. And I'll right. tell you the other reason to always get cran, no one else does, and they always give you the whole can. I love when they give you the can. Right. And sometimes I'll, I'll get like a Dr. Pepper, and they're mm-hmm. like, here's a whole can. No one wants that shit. And I'm like... Yes. You know, if you just ask for the whole can, they'll just give it to you. Oh, I know. But it feels weird to do it, right? Cause yeah, it feels weird hey, to fatty. be like, hey, I paid like several hundred dollars to be here. Can I have a can of soda? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, fucking Mr. Rockefeller here wants a can of soda. You sure you should have 12 ounces of fluid, sir? My goodness. Oh, goodness. What a fatty. <laughs> well, well we you to have here th- comes Mr. Millennial. We want you to have three ounces of soda in the tiniest cup in the world. It's mostly ice. (laughs) I have eaten every single ice cube I have ever been given on an airplane. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fair. It's just something to do. Anyway, uh, Alf. Yeah. 
So they finally meet back up with Willie, who finds them. Yeah, no, they meet up with they meet up with Willie, who just sort of randomly finds them at whatever friggin' sandwich shop they're at. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh man, you guys, we got to get you out of sight." Yeah, someone's gonna discover who you are, and I'm like, "Man, at this point, we have had two aliens running around Chicago for the better part of a day, and no one gives a shit." Well, Punky Brewster thinks they're dogs. What do we care, right? Yeah, but then they talk to her, and she's. That's the other thing, is the fact that she wasn't like, oh my god, fuck, aliens, run! She was like, sweet, I'm Talking on board. Dogs. Yeah, great, I love it. Yeah, well, that's that's Punky Brewster for you. She has an unbreakable spirit and absolutely no disbelief reflex. Oh my god, there's an episode of Punky Brewster where there's, like, demonic possession, <laughs> and that fucked me up as a kid. Straight up. <laughs> Not gonna lie. like, open the fridge in their little Chicago apartment, and it was, like, Zool and his pyramid in oh, there. Oh, no, they went to, like, a fucking cave, and, like, a demon possessed the friends. They, like, turned around and have those glow-in-the-dark green eyes, and I was like, nope. <laughs> wow. Nope, nope, nope. Well, the reason I'm making the Ghostbusters jokes is because when I was that age, and what was Ghostbusters, 84, 85, somewhere in there? Something like that. When, I, when, when that movie came out, my parents took me to it in theaters. I was four or five years old, and just the librarian scared me out of my parents' lap, over my dad's head. And nothing in, but net. Into the lap of the person behind me, nothing but net. <laughs> a random moviegoer who suddenly had a terrified, crying five-year-old and in his like, lap. And he was like, whoa, what is this Dickensian urchin doing in my lap? <laughs> well, to be fair, my brother was born when I was six. So for, for, the, for the moment, I was safe, and I was still allowed within the confines of a warm family home. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You you were you were pre orphanage. Yes, that's before they got sick of me. I assume the only reason I wasn't sent to an uh, an orphanage is because it's expensive or hard to find. Yeah, probably. I, I think the reason they didn't surrender me at a fire station <laughs> too is, old, too old. Yeah, they probably tried. And they were like, nope, too old. Yeah, sorry, keep... we only take babies. <laughs> they stopped. They tried an abortion clinic. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, is it too late? Can you pull this thing out of me? Uh, that, that kid is clearly playing Game Boy, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who give that kid a Game Boy? How'd he get a Game Boy? They won't be invented for four more years. <laughs> That's weird. What is with this anachronistic nonsense? <laughs> it's almost like memories are weird and fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Alf. Also, Jeffrey the Giraffe is here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alf is weird and fuzzy. All right. Yep. So, so they meet in a burger place. They agree to try and lay low for a while, and they do so by hiding in Wrigley Stadium. Yeah. Which, again, is just some back lot, like, three rows of stadium benches. Oh, yeah. It's just, we had definitely the background for any time a family goes to a pro sports game, regardless of what it is, mm-hmm. this is what we are using. And then this is our also our last celebrity sighting in the film, uh, because they, they keep ordering hot dogs with increasingly stupid toppings from a put-upon, very young hot dog vendor played by Seth Green. Very weird to see Seth Green in this. He's like nine. Oh, yeah. I mean, granted, he was doing shit around that time. Oh like, yeah, he was in he was in the fucking It TV movie. Yes, he was in the It TV movie. He was in uh, Radio Days, the Woody Allen film that came out like this the same year as this. Wow. So I mean, he was he was getting work. Yeah, I forget when wasn't he in Stand by Me or whatever. Yes. Yeah, I forget when that came out. That's probably nineties. Oh, was he? Well, okay. What's no the, no no? It was Jerry O'Connell. Oh, that's right. He was in the It TV movie. That's what you were talking about, of course. Yeah, he was Reggie. Or Richie. Richie. Reggie. He was Reggie Tidger. (laughs) (laughs) Boop, boop, Reggie. They'd say to him, they'd say. (laughs) And he was a terrible prop comic, he was. (laughs) He was always like, hey, look at this hat I made. It claps for me so people like my jokes. That's me. Here's a toilet seat with a rear view mirror on it for when I have to pass gas, huh? Huh? Boop, boop, (laughs) Rutchie. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was, I, yeah, no, when, when you said that, I thought you were saying he was in a TV remake of The Thing, because I consistently get The Thing and The It confused. The It? Even though I love both of those movies. <laughs> I love The It. <laughs> That's the a it. great movie. Oh, The It. That's what, like, your grandfather calls Pennywise the clown. Ah, I remember The It. <laughs> Go down and see the it. But then I got old and I forgot what the it was. It'll happen to you. <laughs> no, it's just some clown. <laughs> it's just that clown. <laughs> so, you know, he's right over there. Hi. So, yeah, Seth Green just punching a clock. And his job is to be a put-upon hot dog Just a guy. sad hot dog boy. Yeah, who's doing that, you know, I've got a hot dog cart like slung over my shoulders and I'm walking around yelling, hot dogs. Get your hot dogs, oh, yeah. peanuts, popcorn, and used condoms. <laughs> that guy. You know, you yeah. see that guy at every baseball. Yeah. Is that just our baseball stadium? Yeah, that's our. That's ours. Okay, the no. used condom guy. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah. I love Pe- him. People who aren't from San Diego don't get that reference, though. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you had come down and supported the Chargers, then maybe they would have stayed here and we could have kept our used condom guy. No, we still have the one at the Padres Stadium, but come on. But who goes, see, who goes to see a Padres game? For real. Come on, guys. <laughs> get serious. Come on. No, no one's seen a Padres game in forever. I'm not even sure the Padres still exist. I don't even think they know. <laughs> I think the Padres are the baseball team that went cornfield in, in the real world. The Padres are basically a Truman show now where they just have little leaguers come out and play against them and they don't know. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, maybe there's a used condom guy, but yeah, but yeah, saying, they have that the whole thing where it's like, oh, they don't want you to eat cats, but you can eat a dog. And they're like, no, please, for the love of God, I think you've already made that joke on the season. I, I'm sure they have, and then they just, you know, after that joke, they just spend some time ordering hot dogs with stupider and stupider ingredients. Yeah, bring me a hot dog with a telephone on it. Ooh, I'd like a hot dog with with a rolled up cop at the top. That that kind of thing. And it just you know, goes on, and, and of course the gag is that he just consistently pulls out hot dogs with those sight gags on them. Yeah, uh, and, and then you know does the thing where he comically hands a written bill to to uh, to Willie Tanner, which is like, wait, how did he even get that? Yeah, I'm like, this is a weird sight gag to do. Yeah, and he hands him the, the, the unfolding bill, and he does the boggle eyes at it. Oh boy, I I can't believe you've ordered all these things, Alf. I was only gone for five minutes. Yeah. But it's like, still, who? what kind of ballpark hot dog vendor writes out a written bill? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the same one that has a little hot dog thing that says hot dogs with anything on them <laughs> so that you can have a stupid fucking sight gag. Also, the guy who's working when there's no game playing and no one else in the stands. Well, also that, yes. <laughs> I mean, wh- what is happening? <laughs> this movie is straight bonkers McLoco. <laughs> So, anyway, they they hang around with him for a while, and then we have our second showdown, which is right there in the stadium, and they just do it as sort of a, uh, like a Scooby-Doo, people popping in and out of the ends of the aisles routine. Yeah. Because that way they can have the puppets run by underneath the, you know, like, so that you- The seats. Yeah, Yeah. behind the seats, with Terry O'Quinn chasing after them, and the whole time not just realizing he could just step down one row from the middle if he wanted. (laughs) Uh, yeah, this movie is really predicated on most people not realizing they can do things. <laughs> it's true. So, they eventually, God damn it, they, they manage to evade him again here with hot dogs and popcorn and stuff, which they do the thing where they throw the popcorn on the ground and then he runs over it and falls down like it was marbles. Yeah, I, 
I don't know why. Buttered popcorn, I guess, is super slippery. It must be. It in must this be the slipperiest thing in the world. Could it just use ketchup or relish or Oh, wait, no, it's Chicago. Of course they can't use ketchup. No, that would be just sacrilege. If ketchup existed in Chicago, apparently. Oh, they get that so would mad. Be sacrilege. Yeah, they, they can't put ketchup on their hot dogs. They need it for their shitty pizza. Oh, beep, 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 beep. Shops fire. Hot takes found here. <laughs> This is the home of the hot takes <laughs> with Jigsaw and the Park. <laughs> Jigsaw and the Park? Yeah. Which one am I? I don't know. Probably the Park. Oh, okay. Are you Jigsaw as in the serial killer from the Saw movies? No, no relation. <laughs> and then my Park is in Ray Park or just like a Park? Yeah, you're you're Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> Ray Parker Jr. Session musician famous for Ghostbusters. Yeah, I've, we're always going to bring it back to Ghostbusters apparently. <laughs> sake oh so they get away from him this time and while this isn't the end of him in the movie the only other scene with him is him having to humiliatingly admit defeat over a telephone to nobody yeah well i mean they get away and eventually they convince fucking mitch that he should get the hell out of here yeah. they're like well well mitch it was fun having you visit and he's like indeed i've decided to stay and they're like no you you, you really you you, you actually can't you gotta go buddy <laughs> Uh, now here's this is the thing that confuses the hell out of me. I don't remember was Alf happy on Earth or did he want to go home? The weird thing is he did seem to want to go home. Like there were times where he tried to contact people, mm -hmm. but in this he never seems to be like, yeah, let me let me use your one person ship instead of you, Mitch. Yeah, or, or you know, scoot over and we'll squish in there together. I mean, we're just puppets. We'll both fit. <laughs> Also, I'm indestructible. I can just hang on the outside of it. Woo! But, but no, there's literally no talk about that. He convinces Mitch to go home. Mitch goes home. Alf's like, all right, we should also go home to San Fernando. <laughs> yeah, the, the weird thing to me is, I mean, I get it. It's a one-seat uh, UFO thing. Yeah. And, like, like, he couldn't get in there, but the fact that he didn't even go, like, Hey, when you get back, can you send someone for me? Like, yeah, nothing. nothing. Just, just uh, thanks for visiting. Come back again sometime. Also, the fact that he knows what planet Elf is on is bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I assume that it was probably just some message that he I sent mean, or I, some shit. This could easily be our fault for not remembering why the fuck Elf is on Earth in the actual show Elf. It's true. Maybe it could also be purpose. our fault for not paying attention to this fucking movie and having our phones out. But, well, I have my phone out for Harambe. Phones out for Harambe. <laughs> it's not true at all. I have my phone out because I spent the entire time on our Discord. <laughs> and I spent the entire time playing a different Marvel app because I've got like four of them on my phone now. You're a Marvel crazy. Yep, You've got I've, that Marvel-itis cra craziness. I've got, I'm a Marvel zombie. No one's got a good alliteration for that, for that Marvel crazy. There's no word that would work. Yeah, I'm a Marvel Mississippi. <laughs> I've got that Marvel... Marvelitis. Yeah, Marvel, Mar, Mar, I've got Marvel Marbles. I've got Marvel Marmaduke. I've got Marvel Duke. I've got he's such a big dog. That dog doesn't belong here. <laughs> oh, you know, if you put him in the Marvel Universe, he'd be a big red dog and he'd be Mar he'd be the devil Marmaduke. I'd watch that. Moon you mean girl. he'd be Clifford? He'd be Clifford. He'd be, he'd be Moon Girl and Clifford. Yeah, Moon Girl and Clifford, now coming to you from Marvel. None of these jokes are good or make any sense. Yep, that's I've true. Got Still bad, better I, than Alf. I've got bad jokes in my brain because I watched the Alf movie. And then we get our Coda joke, which uh, I... Uh, it, they're getting ready to leave Chicago. Willie Tanner gets one of his like five lines in the whole movie where he's like, All right, Alf, before we can go get, go home, we have to pull over so I can put gas in the car. 
And I was like, you want gas in the car? Yeah, and we get to end the fucking movie on a fart joke. And a fart noise. Which yeah. I just, you know, pfft, credits. Yeah, good, great. Farts, <laughs> disappointing look from Willie, credits. <laughs> fucking, wow. Good job, guys, you did it. You finally did it. I mean, we didn't get to everything here. We, we, the movie, you know, it's only about 90 minutes long, but there are a couple other moments where they visit Chicago landmarks and briefly mark, remark on them while they're making their way around. And, but, oh, well, there's a lot of boring shtick that takes place yeah. in, like, the hotel room and the car and whatnot. Yeah, we're saving you a million extremely corny Alf jokes where he doesn't do anything, including a whole scene in the car that's basically a send-up of planes, trains, and automobiles where he lip-syncs to some, like, doo-wop song for far too long. Yeah. The amount of just lingering on jokes, I think, is, well, you know what? Let's get into the best and worst now that I'm talking about it. Jeff, why don't you give me the best thing in this movie How for you? I, I might have almost said that the best thing in the movie is his lip sync in the car scene because I fucking, <laughs> because I fucking love Run Around Sue. I mean, that's just, it's a good song. Oh, yeah, so, it is. So when he's just, you know, he's a girl called to Run Around Sue, hey. And I was like, yeah, I love this song. So I'm just going to, I'm enjoying this. But no, I mean... I, the, the problem is this movie's got a couple of known people in it. It's got your Terry O'Quinn and your Seth Green wasted. Terry O'Quinn does nothing in this movie. Oh, no. And David Ogden Steers is practically wasted in this movie, even though he's a main character and gets lots of stuff to say. Oh, yeah, but it's not like he gets a lot of good, chunky bits. No. I mean, not that this has a lot of good, chunky bits. This is This is like the Campbell's Chicken Noodle of movies mm-hmm. there are no chunky bits here yeah you know um, uh, like a good pizza this this lacks too many soupy chunky bits yeah yeah uh like uh like a good like a well-made pizza that's definitely not just an above ground pool for rats yeah there's definitely like a good old-fashioned casserole <laughs> with an edible rim <laughs> yep that's <laughs> just basically a bread bowl soup yeah yeah chicago pizza sucks I love Chicago pizza I know, so me goddamn too. much. <laughs> me too, completely. <laughs> the, I mean, the bit is good, but I fucking love deep dish. I know. We have to come back around at the end. Now, you guys can keep your stupid hot dogs, but your pizza is fucking fantastic. Yeah, get all that shit off of a hot dog. What all I want doing? is ketchup. How come you're... How come you're all I want is American cheese and ranch dressing. That's oh. all I want on my hot dog. Wow. Yeah, I was trying to think of how bad I could make that. Well. I'm fine with chili dogs. Chili dogs work for me, and if I can't do that, then ketchup and chopped onion. Then bacon and barbecue sauce. Oh, well, that's the California thing, is that yeah. you get those those street meat outside of a club in, like, Los Angeles, and it's it's a bacon-wrapped dog with, like, jalapenos and onions and some, and some sauce. Yeah. That is good shit. Oh, yeah. You come out of a club drunk in L.A., and you get one of those, and you're like, you're a saint. Yeah. Now, in San Diego, we don't, we don't go in for any kind of hot dog. Fuck that. We live... Where burritos are. Yeah, we'll just get midnight burritos. Yeah, if if you're drunk in the middle of the night, you go to Cotijan or anything ending in Berto's. Yeah, any given of the million different Berto's. Yeah, and you get yourself a a nice burrito, uh, carne asada, California, whatever. That's our drunk food. Oh, yeah. If I got to eat a hot dog, it's it's because I'm having a cheap barbecue of my very own. And it's going to be ketchup and chopped onions. There you go. Mm -hmm. So So still, best thing for you. (laughs) It's the food, John. It's definitely the food. No, uh, like I said, I think I'm actually going to go with it. My best thing is him singing the lip sync of Run Around Sue because I love that song. Otherwise, this movie was abysmally boring. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite thing? Uh, I Honestly, I think my favorite thing in this was just the weird nostalgia of it. Because mm. since I, I haven't watched any sort of ALF anything since I was, you know, eight. 
Mm-hmm. So watching this, I was like, oh my god, everything is flooding back. Like, that's probably going to also be <laughs> the worst thing for me, is then everything flooding back. Sure, sure. Okay, fair enough. So it's a big old nostalgia trip, and you love that. Oh, yeah. I mean, having Alf with his dumb Hawaiian shirt and just going, ha! Like, that's that's just so imprinted in my memory that it is it is a weird tickle moment for me in the brain, where I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Alf, he's back in, in pog, pog form. form. <laughs> Uh, and the, no, but I will say actually the worst part of this thing is wasting Seth Green. Cause God damn it, Seth Green, <laughs> I appreciate your dumb sight gag, but this was a waste of you. I think Seth Green was mostly wasting for like the eighties, like any movie he's in in the eighties, except for like it, or I, I don't know what, honestly it's garbage. <laughs> I mean, it's way too long. I fucking love the TV movie it. I don't care that it is garbage, but it is straight up shit. Well, I mean, okay. Here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. The definitive thing about that movie is that the movie itself is way too long and not all that great. But you cannot sell short Tim Curry's work as Pennywise the Clown. Oh yeah, Tim Curry makes that movie work. If yeah. Tim Curry wasn't there, then it would actually be bad. And Seth Green is quite good as Ru- as Rutchy. Yeah, as as Rutchy Tidger, the guy who was like boop boop. <laughs> That's what he said. He said he it all said the, to people that was his, boop, his catch Rutchy boop boop Rutchy he'd say and he'd he say said, to himself he'd say and I forget who played him as an adult but he did the same thing then wasn't it like Harry Anderson yeah Harry Anderson playing <laughs> Rutchy Tidger boop boop me he would say boop boop me I've switched from prop comedy to being a crappy magician Harry Anderson boop boop Rutchy <laughs> pick a card any card is oh. this your card boop boop Rutchy <laughs> that's him. So, uh, but yeah, his, his work, t- Tim Curry as Pennywise is never going to die. He's so good. Oh, yeah. I mean, people are going to say forever that he's better than Bill Skarsgård uh, in the new one. But it's, honestly, it's just different. It's, it's very, very different. different takes on the same character. Skarsgård had some work that he was able to do that is phenomenal. Like, that's that creepy face that he was pulling all the time is a real face he can do. Oh, yeah. The the pulling his lip in and, oh, he, he, he does that so well. Yeah, no, he went for a much more, like menacing version whereas pennywise was like with tim curry he just loved the fact that he was murdering like he could not love this more it's one of those you know you love what you do you never work a day in your life and that's yeah. tim curry's Pennywise. but if you're bill, Scar- bill Skarsgård, then it's you dispiritedly dance <laughs> yeah you just dead-eyed straight into the camera dance man remember when that fucking shit was a meme i do and i fucking loved it oh that was a good meme anyway anyway that, uh, uh, my worst my, thing my worst movie. thing uh, I'll, I'll take the other one i'm a big fan of terry o'quinn and he does nothing in this movie he has like four scenes and all of them are just him going i'll catch that elf oh yeah he's just an angry sort of like i said sort like a like a angry molder and he doesn't really do much no and he, he, i don't even think I cannot, except for the chasing back and forth across the uh, the the aisle scene in the uh, in, in Fe- or uh, Wrigley Field. I don't think there's a single scene of him sharing a shot with Alf or Mitch. <laughs> in fact, I don't think he's he is very rarely in camera with anyone else. I feel like this might have been a lonely experience for poor Terry O'Quinn. And now I'm picturing him crying like that shot of Ian McKellen on <laughs> on the set of The Hobbit. <laughs> Just, I'm so empty. How could you act in these conditions? <laughs> I just wanted to meet the puppet, but Paul Fusco hides it between takes. <laughs> Excellent. That's actually a true story, by the way. Paul uh, Fusco hides it between takes? That's real. Because apparently when they did the, uh, there's an episode of 30 Rock that actually has Elf in it. 
and they he, and apparently the conditions of getting Elf on set was no one no, no one other actor can see the puppet when it's not in use. And so they had a trap door built into the stage where Elf appeared from and after they called cut, the puppet zipped underground and they left. Wow. <laughs> that is nuts. It's in like one of Tina Fey's biographies is a story about how she she said the hardest part about getting the because the scene is like the 75th NBC anniversary or something. Yeah. And she said the hardest part out of all of it was the elf part because the because working with Paul Fusco was weird. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh so yeah, that's I'd say my least favorite thing is the waste of Terry O'Quinn. So we're just taking the two good actors on this and saying the waste of them. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to give it a rating 0 to 5 gives it a rating out of 10. Jeff uh, I'm gonna say a two. All right. I, mean, I mean, it's not. It's boring. I'll get, uh, but oh, but it's, it's very TV but, movie boring. But it's a nostalgia trip, and it's such a weird little offshoot that that like they introduce a character that is never seen again and never even mentioned the, again. Even when they flesh out Elf's family, he's just gone. Yeah, it was like just, just sort of a like bygone thought that they had, where they're like, "Let's do this," and then never cared about it. Yeah, it was. So bizarre, but but a two is just indicating that you know it's probably it, you know I don't think it's ever going to show up on TV again. But if you find a way to watch it, watch it. Yeah. So also, uh, I got hiccups. I apologize. Yeah, that's good. It's good for the podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna leave that for John to edit. Good, thanks. Uh, it happened at one hour twelve. <laughs> thanks. Uh huh. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a one point five. It was it was real boring. Fucking these TV movies. Every time we get a TV movie to watch. I'm always like, man, this is so much filler. Like the the whole whatever that day, day after tomorrow, day after tomorrow thing, yeah, where it, it was like establishing shots for an hour of this two hour movie. Remember when we were excited about that because it had John Lithgow in it? Oh yeah, and we were like, oh dude, John Lithgow. No, he's it, in the movie for seven minutes. In the same way that Terry O'Quinn could not save this, John Lithgow could not save that. Yeah, no, it's you get that guest star and then you just invariably waste them. Yeah, it is just awful. I. I cannot stand TV movies outside of The It. <laughs> the It. Would you say The It is the best TV movie ever made? Oh, yeah. The It is definitely the best TV movie ever made with, of course, my favorite character, <laughs> Eddie Spaghetti. Eddie's, yeah, Boop Boop Rutchy. That's his name in the show. Boop Boop Rutchy Tuthers. Or Touchers. Rutchy Touchers. <laughs> Rutchy Touchers. Jesus fuck. Okay, I think we're done here. That's a, that's a three and a half out of ten. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you've gotten this far, then uh, thank you so much. You can support us on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash system mastery. It helps us do what we do, like come up with bullshit movies that don't actually exist. Here's, oh, here's where I explain the joke. Are we actually announcing that at the end of this one? Yeah. Hey, is guys. It, is this just to stop people from sending us letters like they do about Duckman still? Yes. This is, an, <laughs> this is coming out on April 1st. Jesus Christ, when you listen to this later, do not try and find this movie and ask us where we found it. It doesn't exist. We've been improving for an hour. That's the joke. <laughs> Please support us on Patreon so we can continue to not watch movies and review them anyway. So uh, if you're wondering why we didn't watch Sherlock Gnomes, uh, we probably still will. We just didn't want to, and it's April Fool's. Yeah, it's April Fool's, and that's my excuse to not watch a movie with Johnny Depp, so fuck him. <laughs> We're still going to have to. I mean, uh, that's the rules, John. we got to go watch them. Them's that. the rules. Them's the breaks, son. So, uh, yeah, and of course, you can listen to all our other stuff. Just go to our website systemmasterypodcast.com you have the movie mastery stuff there as well as system mastery and expounded universe 
where we do the Star Wars novels. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find us on Gmail at System Mastery. And then, of course, Facebook, Twitter, all that. We are System Mastery on all of the social medias. Get a hold of us there if you have a suggestion to go on the list of a movie we might actually watch. You can go to our subreddit, r slash System Mastery. And the big list is uh, down there. Yep. It's called The Big List. It is The Big List. So go find it and put movies that exist on it. Yep. So (laughs) thank you so much for listening to our dumb bullshit goof-em-up, and we will see you in a couple weeks with more Movie Mastery. But real, actual movies. Movie Mastery.